Okay, we're back. Um, I think I have a lot to catch y'all up on um, between Laracon and Nova and some other stuff. Um, but Sean, you hit me with a thread this morning on um, marketing stuff. So it seems like you've been working on slash thinking about that. Um, so you want to catch us up on that? Yeah. Okay. So real quick, we, we, I'm working on new homepage landing pages, getting a setup to do marketing stuff that does not exist yet. Laracon is coming up on the ninth. We, it will exist by then something that, you know, enough of something to be useful for that event will, will exist. Um, so I'm just trying to go through, okay, what do I, what, what do I need for this? And so I just went through with, um, Buck B and we just came up with like a punch list of like the small things. And Kevin, Kevin Griffin helped me out too. Cause he does, he has conferences and talks a lot and kind of knew some stuff that we should do. So I just had that little mini punch list of tiny things we could do, um, before then. And then I also have, make sure we'll have a, some kind of landing page. It will not be, you know, it will be like the first thing, the first landing page basically. So set expectations accordingly our illustrator got covid in the middle of working on stuff so we won't have that by laricon most likely and then so we'll have a landing page with like much clearer call to action and like more refined focused um that's that's what i'll have like it'll do the job that we need it to do for laricon basically if you want to use the existing um, hosting setup deployment pipeline and everything to do that. We can, I can, we can do that. I mean, what we have now is just HTML, CSS. So it's not a super like sophisticated setup. Um, it's just a blade template, which is Laravel's templating engine. So if that takes something off your plate, if you can just get me the like HTML, I can just plop it in and deploy it. Yeah. Perfect. So that'll be my, plan b you know if i don't if i don't get a a website up cool but i I think that's probably 50 50 i might end up doing that and then in a week or two after that we roll over to the new site but sure yeah that cool and what is Uh, your what is your illustrator illustrating icons for all of our packages our logo or yeah so he's going to do hammerstone refine oh and i forget what else we talked about um but eventually like right now it will just be it will just be logos and then eventually there could be other things to add more personality to the to the landing page. But that's like TBD down the road, you know. Cool. Like having custom illustrations, I found is like a very cost effective way to make something look really, really professional um, and designed. And I usually yeah. can when I work with Dennis, I can usually borrow from his colors. I gave him some like mood boards, basically. Um, but you know, he's a professional. So then he does his thing and then I just borrow his color palette and just use that. And I say how totally awesome it is to have, to be on a team, having already tried to do this by myself. (laughs) It is like so amazing to hear you talking about landing pages and illustrators and mood boards. Cause then I don't have to do it. And you didn't have to do (laughs) it. It's like just (laughs) filling me with so much joy. Like it's awesome. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm excited to work on it. It'll be, you know, iterative and never finished and et cetera. But yeah, I mean, I like working on it. It's important stuff. I'm excited for that because we have a few packages with very like kind of descriptive illustrative names like sidecar, airdrop. And having an illustrator take all of those ideas and give them kind of like a, 
a unified theme with their, you know, disparate images is going to be really cool to see. It's going to make it feel much more like a portfolio of products rather than four things that Aaron did and (laughs) put on GitHub. So I'm excited for that. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess the other thing I'm doing is so, so like I'm the, I'm the head of product at my day job. And so there I'm going through and creating our product strategy and I'm kind of rolling through that process. I am, I've probably done each piece of this at some point or another, you know, in my career, but never like for an organization put together like an end to end strategy. Um, so that's new for me. So, but the cool thing is like, I'm doing it there and then that'll just roll over into, into our stuff, you know, so we could start thinking more strategically about our product work and what we're doing and how to prioritize and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually having a lot of fun learning about that for the day job. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to bring some of that over to here when I'm done. Great. And then the only other thing is, okay, view two, view three. Yeah, that's definitely going to work. It's crazy, but like I got it, I got it working. Um, so for real, yeah, yeah. I don't have the test working, but it was just like a couple things where I'm like, okay, can I, can I iron out these little wrinkles and what work? And yeah, you can run, you can run view two and view three with the same library. We build two different versions, one for view two and one for view three, but then, um, so there'll be a few things to test out. Like it's got a, um, when they go to install it, there's like a post install script, which will choose depending on which version of view they're running, which library they will run. Um, so, you know, I, I'm like, this is a thing I've seen people do. I've never done it myself. I definitely want to test it <laughs> and see how it goes. So hopefully Neil, you know, if you're listening to man, you'll be willing to be our Guinea pig on that. We can, uh, I can at least try it out on his, uh, repo and see if it all works. Thanks, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Neil tries out everything for us. <laughs> well, that's huge. That's, I mean, that's an entirely new front end that we didn't know that we were going to be able to have right away. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. And the build process is, I understand way more what the hell is going on and the trade-offs and everything that we're doing. So, Are we yes. fully in the um, mono repo setup that Dave was working on like is that where this view two view three is coming from yeah like his anything that he does will be in this view two view three like branch cool. which i will be merging in soon as soon cool. as i can that's the reason we don't have the marketing stuff done because like this is a major bottleneck because it's difficult to make changes sure to the main branch right now because this is so such di- a divergent branch and I, right. I just needed to prove it out. And I literally like two days ago got to the point where I was like, yeah, this, I feel confident this is going to work. <laughs> so, um, so I just needed to get there so that way I could merge it in and then we could, then we can go. All right. So that's, that's my update. Fantastic. I know you got a lot of stuff, so I'll stop there. Uh, I do. I do have one question though. Where does, um, Dave stand on react stuff? So I know that he's been spending time getting mono repo and everything set up. Has that, uh, derailed him from reactors that still moving forward pretty good. I don't, I don't think that derailed him. Um, there's not much to that. It was just like moving, kind of moving files around. So I think he's, he's not working on that to my knowledge. Um, yeah. And I haven't really checked in with him lately. Okay. So I don't know. And then Jeff told us he was going to be out for a little while. So he's not picked up anything yet either. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, that's exciting. View three is ready. Um, Didn't see that one coming so quickly. I'm stoked to hear that. Way to go, View Demi. Is that what it's called? View Demi? Mm hmm. 
Nice. Yeah, and like the choice to use composition API. Yeah, those two things. Yeah, made it possible. Yeah, that paid off big time. Okay, cool. Um, Colleen, do you have any updates? No huge updates. Um, we had a great kind of check-in call with the client yesterday and made some mm-hmm. timeline decisions, which is great because I like schedules and timeline decisions. Mm-hmm. So the plan is to have the the code fully extracted into a private gem within the next six weeks. Cool. And then work from that. So that's really great. Super pumped about that. And not client related, but more Hammerstone related. I've the RailsConf CFP is out. And so I, I saw think, you tweet about that. Yeah, super excited about that. It's been, you know, two years because of COVID. So it's gonna be in person. And so I've been thinking about what kind of talks I can submit that are Hammerstone adjacent. Yeah, for sure. You know, because you you obviously cannot go up there and talk about your product. That'll never get accepted. So I'm thinking of submitting a workshop, which is like a huge lift. Compared to a 30-minute talk, a two-hour workshop is kind of insane. I know, but it would be so cool to do like advanced active record querying if I can build that up into a workshop. Uh, yeah, and that would be amazing. It'd be amazing, right? Because that is such a... Now, this is, a hu- again, a huge lift. And usually the people who give workshops are either book authors or professional workshop people. So right. I don't know if I even have a shot of getting accepted as, like, the random person. You're, to a, you're a professional workshop person. <laughs> no, I mean, these people, like, literally, they're DevRel people. And they just go from conference to conference and gives the same workshop over and over and over, you know? Yeah, I know, but like the line from you to that is like tiny. Like you're right. So it's you can do it. Yeah, I mean it's super. Ambitious. We all need a Sean in our lives, don't we, Colleen? Well, you know, okay. So this is funny. <laughs> so I, of course, came. I was under the weather last week, and I came up with this idea while I'm like high on Dayquil. And um, but you know, my best ideas tend to come when I'm like having a glass of wine or having. I didn't have too much Dayquil, just for the listeners, but um. And because you know why your best ideas come in that alt, somewhat altered state because the fear is gone. Mm-hmm. Like that, or at least for me, I find that I'm such a ca- like I don't want to say I'm such a cautious person, but I'm like a perfectionist, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so taking those big chances, I usually only like think those things are good ideas when I'm like I don't know. That's so terrible when I'm drinking or, you know, taking so you, a lot of So cough you drank medicine. a bunch of DayQuil and decided you're never going to die. And now you're submitting a talk to RailsConf. Anyway, okay, so what I've been, what I'm trying to say with all of this is I have been trying to figure out how to better position myself as a Rails person who is an active record expert. Mm-hmm. Because that's so, I don't want to say it's so far out of my aperture, but it's, it's on the, the Twitter audience I interact with is more SaaS building people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really have a good cross section with people in the Rails community who are pro- high profile. So I've just been trying to think about what I can do kind of like for our dev relish perspective mm-hmm. to become more ingratiated with people in the Rails community and active records. So this is my great idea. So I will report back and let it know, let you know how it turns out. But I think it's a great idea. Are you taking thoughts at this moment? Yes, I'm definitely taking thoughts. Um, what I haven't been to RailsConf, obviously, what is the, um, I guess, what's the format difference between a talk and a workshop in terms of audience? So with a workshop, you're teaching to how many people for two hours? I think you can set the size, like you can cap it at whatever you want to cap it. 
usually it's a room. So typically, so what'll happen is I won't do it by myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll get, I'll get a friend and maybe two friends. We'll see. Um, but typically, you know, you get like a big, not like a ballroom, but like a big conference room, 20 to 50 people, everyone brings their computers. You have some kind of GitHub repo they pull down and, you know, you have some kind of lesson, right? It's almost okay, like... Okay, so it's very much a breakout session yes, with a, that's a good tiny way. portion yeah, of the so, audience. So on one hand, so on the negative side, you know, they're not recorded like talks are. Right. So you can't put them all over the internet like right. you could if you gave a talk on Active Record. But I don't know, it just sounds cool. Like, like I said, a workshop it, is pretty ambitious, but I think the opportunity for like a deep knowledge base is better with the workshop. I agree. I wonder, so with RailsConf, is it single track or are there multiple tracks? Multiple so if tracks. you were to, so if you were to give a talk, would it be to about the same size audience or would it be like to a much, much larger audience than a breakout session? So they typically do five to eight talks concurrently. So it just Holy depends. moly. Yeah. Okay. Like it's, it's big. And so I have found. That's amazing. The number of people that come to your talks depends on what talks you're going up against. So, like, if you're talking at the same time as, like, an Aaron Patterson, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, okay. Um, but, or, and the topic. Um, so, typically, talks will get a bigger audience, but not super much, like, not way, way, way bigger. Okay. Because they're, well, you because can, of all the you can see where I was going. Because if, yeah. if a workshop is five times the lift for one-fifth of the audience, then yeah. doing a talk for one-fifth of the effort and five mm-hmm. times the audience makes a lot of sense. But that doesn't sound like it's totally as clear cut. Um, yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, you should submit a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, think, that, that's the answer. I think it's too I think there's stuff. very little downside. And in terms of opportunity cost, this is, I can't think of very many other things that would be like higher leverage things for us to work on because it like, if you're, if you're willing, or if this is something you're interested in taking the workshop and then pulling it under the Hammerstone brand umbrella and making it a standalone product is something that would be, it mm. will equal as you go, lots of quality content that we can create and upload to the site and get all the SEO juice out of. And mm. also the like email addresses, things like that. So lots of, lots of stuff there, but then also we get the course, which we could sell for cheap, which gets us people into our product um, people uh, call yeah. it different things, like but like a product you... universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now they've bought something from us and then, you know, consider you probably already thought of this, but like making refine, like a part of the, the workshop, like how would you build this kind of query? If there's some way to make it like we're working with, we're building a query builder and that's how we're learning about active For record, sure. something like that. That's a great idea. Yeah. It means that <laughs> totally we're all sort of do. like firing at all cylinders with this thing. Yeah. So nothing's wasted. So we get as much bang for our buck out of your time on that. Yeah. Well, I'll the report re- back, but I, that's kind of the direction I want to go. The repurposing it as public content on the Hammerstone site is that's pretty key. I think that's a fantastic idea. And the idea to like make your workshop, let's build a query builder and spend you know, two hours doing it. And at the end you're, you know, you're 50% of the way there and you're like, well, the next 50% is going to take you another three months. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. that's also kind of amazing. So yeah, do it. Drink some yeah. Dayquil and submit some proposals, <laughs> man, that rules. Okay. Can I just tell you though, 
the so they so RailsConf does tracks. I don't know if Laracon mm-hmm. does tracks, but no. we have like six or seven different tracks, and they suggest slash recommend that if you give talks, they fit in with one of the tracks. So one of the tracks this year is like how to be happy at work, and I was like, dude, that was clearly made for me. That's like Seriously. my life. <laughs> so <laughs> that's totally you. <laughs> anyway, so fun stuff. I'm excited to get back into conferences. I think it's going to be great. When would that be? When would Rails come? May. Oh wow! Yeah, soon. <laughs> That's soon. So, so if I get if it gets accepted, and I, you know, I'm up every night trying to build a course, crying to you. Yep. Just remind me of this moment. <laughs> yes, I will. So you should talk to my friend Colleen. She's always happy at work. She can give you some good advice. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like that's a good segue into conferences, into Laracon. Conferences. Wow, look at that. We're like <laughs> professional podcasters. So Laracon is in eight days, um, which is not very many days. One of the things that they're doing this year that they've never done before is it's now completely free. So, wow. Yeah. So it's an online conference. Um, and historically, I think tickets were like... I don't know, 60, 70, $80 a ticket. Um, and you know, I would buy tickets for the people on our team at work and we would all take the whole day and watch. And there were usually, I don't know, a couple thousand people, you know, filtering in and out, I feel like. And now for the first time ever, they've made it completely free and streaming on YouTube. And so I feel like that is just going to explode the, number of people watching it because there's absolutely no barrier to entry anymore. And so that's amazing for us um, because, you know, where historically we would have gotten a couple thousand people watching. I, I can't even, I, I don't even know, maybe 5,000, 10,000 people are going to watch over the course of the day. Um, so when they announced that I was, you know, equal parts thrilled to death and terrified Um you know, fortunately, it's not like they're they're moving to a bigger auditorium. I'm still going to be sitting in my shed by myself, talking to myself. So it doesn't feel that different. But I do know that it, it's going to be a much, much larger audience. So that is exciting. That's very good for us. I've been thinking about how to how to best optimize or take advantage of this opportunity. Um, and I think, and we talked a little bit about this on Slack, I think the 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 primary goal is to bring people into my personal universe um, because the talk I'm giving is not refine related in any way. And so to go from, you know, this talk on serverless stuff to refine could be a jarring transition. Like if I just pitched at the end, people are gonna be like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, So I'm not going to do a hard pitch on that. I'm just going to try to get, people to follow me on Twitter. And so as they're following me, then we have opportunities to, you know, get at them again. So I think, I think that's my primary goal from all of this um, is to, you know, grow my personal network such that we can use it later. Um, So that's kind of what I'm thinking now on, in terms of how does this help Hammerstone? Any thoughts to the positive or to the contrary? Yeah, that sounds right to me because especially with no filter on who's showing up anymore, the signal to noise ratio on interest is, you know, going to be not to our liking, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think that making it just sort of broadly, like pulling them into your Aaron universe over there is a good, is a good plan. And we can like long-term, I think that makes the most sense to like just thinking long-term start at the beginning. And the beginning is, you know, Aaron's Twitter feed. And once, once this is all over and you've, you know, seen like how, what happens, then you can sort of like kind of bring up your, there's all kinds of things you could bring up your best of Aaron Francis tweets and kind of replay some stuff and start pulling people back in in that way. I think, I think it makes sense. Okay, cool. Getting nods from Colleen. So I'll take that as a yes. Um, okay. So that is most of the Laracon update I have. So I'm speaking on sidecar sidecars, a Lambda thing. Um, there are, I have some potentially pretty big breakthroughs on sidecar, I had some potentially big breakthroughs, like not this past weekend, but the one before, where I realized that Sidecar doesn't have to be specifically a Lambda thing. Sidecar can be a Lambda thing or a some other cloud provider thing. And so in that process, I was able to get the entire... I was able to get the entire um, sidecar flow working with a second cloud provider. So now if you don't want to be in the AWS world and you want to be in this other providers world, which I'm not naming quite yet, um, you can use sidecar to do that as well. So I think that's going to even make the, make the audience even broader and make the use cases even larger for sidecar, which is going to be, um, I think a lot of people are going to be very excited by that because this other provider is a lot easier to use than AWS. Um, so somebody DM'd me and was like, Hey, could sidecar work with this? And I was like, I don't think so. And then I started looking at their API docs and realized, Oh yeah, it totally could. Um, and so I managed to get that done. So I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to reveal that at the end of my Laracon talk. I probably will just reveal that like, this is what's coming. Um, but either way, I'm extremely like enthused about the future of sidecar and somebody actually um, is giving, they're giving a talk on it at a Laravel meetup in the next couple of days. And I was you like, know about that? No, I had no <laughs> idea. So I was, I was, uh, I was at the the car dealership getting my car fixed, which I'll explain later. And I get I got a Twitter notification that said Laravel Austin meetup is back. We're going to be talking about Aaron Francis's sidecar. And I'm I responded. I was like, dude, that's cool. You should let me know because I live in Dallas. <laughs> like I could I could have come down and just hung out with y'all. But it's on it's on Thursday, and we're getting a winter storm, and I'm just I'm not doing it. Um, so I thought that was so cool. I was like, man, I didn't. It's something I built someone else is talking about. Um, so I was pretty pumped about that. Um, okay, that's it for Laracon. I've got eight days to get that squared away. And I have been, I've been, last night was till midnight. Night this weekend was two 10 to 12 hour days. It's I'm burning the candle at both ends and I'm running out of steam pretty hard. So if I can, if I can, you know, go over the finish line before I burst into flames. That would be ideal, but we're getting close to bursting into flames. Um, but we're almost there. The other thing I want to talk about is Nova. And that's part of, part of the, um, part of what I'm working on so much. I mean, this past weekend, all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, I was working on Nova stuff. Um, 
I had a call, uh, I guess last Tuesday with a guy who has a Nova app and they need to be able to filter. Like, I think he said something like 10,000 products. And when he said that, I just, it's just a, just a wave of relief washed over me because we've been dealing with billions and he's like, man, we've got these 10,000. I'm like, ah, yes, I can help you. This will be so easy. (laughs) So he, we talked about it and I gave him a demo. So I gave him and one of his coworkers a demo of Nova last week. Um, or the, the refine Nova combo. And when I was done, I was like, okay, so that's kind of what it does. Do y'all have any questions or any thoughts or anything like that? And she said, yeah, my question is, when's it available? And I was like, right now it's, it's available. Let me, you know, let me polish up the package, get it published and then y'all can use it. And so I did that, um, this weekend, got it all published and this morning, actually, he started using it. And so he installed it into his app today. And we're, we have a shared channel with them in Slack now. He installed it into his app and he sent me a couple messages. Um, so there was one thing that I forgot to document. And then after that, he said, um, that fixed it. Very cool. Now we can start building. And he sent me a screenshot and it just it just works. Like he... I'm seeing his data with a, one of our filters and it just worked. Um, and so totally thrilled to death by that because I feel like this is such a traction channel, potential traction channel for us is getting these Nova integrations done. Um, and Neil also has a Nova app and I sent him the stuff um, earlier on how to use that. So we'll see if we get any feedback from him, but yeah, so I sent, so I got him up and running. Um, and then I sent out an email to our early access list and, you know, told him Nova was ready if anybody wants to try Nova. One person, so I think I got three or four replies. One reply said, um, sounds great. I'd love to. And I responded with, great, let's set up a call. It's free for early access. And then if you actually do end up liking it, it's $1,000. And he said, okay, well, this is a, this is a hobby app that I don't make money off of. So it doesn't make sense. Great. Totally get it. Somebody else responded. I replied with the same thing, no response back. And then somebody, a third person responded and said, we've got like a hundred Nova apps because we're a, like a PR company and I would love to, you know, give this a try. And so I set up, I'm setting up a call with him because you know, regardless of what he wants to pay, if he's got a hundred apps, we could figure we could figure something out. Um, and I think I sent that to y'all and asked about like, what are we going to do for bulk pricing? Um, which I don't, I don't know yet, but that was, that was good. Um, I honestly was a little bummed. I thought more people would have Nova, more people on our mailing list would have Nova stuff and would want to try it. Um, but I didn't get, I didn't get as many responses as I had hoped. But if we get, you know, if we get one agency and then one PR agency that has a hundred apps like that, that moves the needle. So we'll see. But I, I, you know, expected 10 people to be like, yeah, I want to try it. So a little bit bummed there, but I think that's probably to be expected. Any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, that's great. It's working so well with this first client customer. I know. That's wonderful news. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a great traction channel. Yeah, I just got to figure out how to mine it. Like, how do we mine this Nova vein? Yeah. Um, 
and I, I don't really know. There's NovaPackages.com, which is just kind of like a directory of Nova packages, but I don't know how to get to all the Nova people. Um, but it's still it's still super early. But I think if we can find those people, this slots in so well that it's gonna make sense to them. So, um, Sean, you had mentioned doing discounted pricing for Nova because of its potentially lower support burdens. Did you have further thoughts on that? No, that's it. Like we can justify a price that pays for the maintenance of it. Like that's our margins dictate what the price is and our margins are basically like how much, like how much does it cost us to support it? So if Nova is much lower support, like we think it will be, then we can lower the price and still have good margins. That's all. I don't know what the answer is yeah. on how much, because we don't know really like truly how low maintenance it will be. Yeah. Is the agency guy going to get back to you? What what was his plan? Um, so the 100 app agency guy um, sent me some times at work and we're going to set up a time to talk. So yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's cool. still moving. The person that's trying it right now, um, I told them when I was giving him the demo, I gave him the demo, told him the price. And they're like, yeah, that seems great. We'll have to figure out how to pay you because we just got acquired. But that seems great. And I was like, okay, well, that's a good sign. Um, so, and you know, they wanted to move forward immediately despite hearing it was a thousand dollars. So I feel like they're, they're great with it. Yeah. I, I think the price is great. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see what the agency says and thinks. Cause if they're like, Hey, 50% of our apps, this would be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Then we should probably have the discussion again. Right. Yeah. I'm super willing to, if they want to buy 50 licenses, I'm, willing to go down pretty far yeah we'll see and then there we still have the other guy from um the laravel agency in in the slack and he's still i don't think he's had much of a chance to try it out but he's he's still um he's still going to and so i think that's another good channel because i know they do a lot of nova stuff so we'll see um overall i think good like objectively good things i just thought maybe they would be better and or faster um, so my excitement is tempered a little bit, but not feeling bad. Yeah. I feel like it's moving pretty fast. You think so? Yeah, I do. Okay. That's good. That's good. Maybe it's why, because... Also, why does it need to move fast? I mean, it feels like it's moving fast to me, but also why does it need to move fast? Um, emotional reasons. Cause Mo- I feel momentum. like it's, yeah, I feel like it's been so long in the making, um, that now that it's, now that it's, like now that we're ready, I want it to be moving fast because I've built up all of this back pressure in being ready. And now it's ready. And it's like, all right, let's go. And I think I'm being met with the reality of, oh, it's just going to take a while. Makes sense. Colleen, you look flabbergasted. It's what is on your mind? Laugh because having launched a side project that didn't move fast, this feels like a freaking like rush of water compared to my other really? project. Oh yeah. And okay, Colleen, and your say, your revenue went up faster than everyone else's. Yes. That's what your like, your project went up very fast. Very fast. Yeah. It People did. tell me that. And so this feels so different compared to that. I mean, so I will say we do have different perspectives because you're able to look from the outside on all the Nova stuff and all the Laravel sure. stuff and be like, wow, that's really going fast where I'm in there like manually shoveling the dirt and being like, man, this is going really slow. 
<laughs> so guys, I got it's good. I got to go. Okay. You keep, oh, you keep going. All right. See you okay. Later. All right. Bye. Bye. It's good to hear that perspective huh, because I can't leave. <laughs> I'll uh, just mute it and let you guys. I think keep you can going. hit leave in the top corner. <laughs> it, nope. Can't. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, just mute and <laughs> we'll see you it. later. See ya. <laughs> it's good for me to hear that perspective because as I'm, you know, shoveling dirt every single day, it feels slow, but to hear that it seems like it's going fast is encouraging to me. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Although I so wanted to make a joke now that you're like Twitter famous about <laughs> you being an overnight success. I yeah. stopped myself, but everyone's like, Aaron's an overnight success. I'd be like, guys, that's yeah. not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Super not how it works. And Definitely don't feel like one. I feel like I've been slogging away for 10 years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the growth has happened fast, but it's, you know, been 10 years. So, um, okay. The other, let's see. The other thing. Okay. That was Nova. Um, I have unformed thoughts on Torchlight. So I want to just bounce them off of you real fast. Um, and then unformed thoughts on sidecar as well. Unformed thought on torchlight is I'm thinking I may make it completely free and open for everyone. Always. Um, the thought being we got a payout from Stripe recently for torchlight. I don't know if you get those emails, you you get, you get the mercury emails. Um, and it was like, huh, that's nice. Um, but it wasn't, it's not, it's not worth, like, it's not worth the money. Right. And so, okay, go ahead. What's not worth the money? Your time, torchlight, yeah. the overhead to charge people? Uh, mostly, honestly, mostly the third one. Um, it, it's not, it's not worth, okay. So if there, if there's a, if there's a balance between, um, charging money, and staying narrow in terms of attention and um, mind share, if that's on one side. And the other side is it's totally free and we can go as wide as possible and get as much attention and mind share as possible. I think the thing that is more valuable for Hammerstone is to make it free. I mean, we pay $20 a month to Vercel to run this thing for us. So, make it free and go as wide as possible into all kinds of markets, you know, Laravel, JavaScript, Ruby, everything. Cause we highlight everything. You'll, we'll need clients for other stuff, but making it free and open source, I feel like is going to explode the amount of attention that is drawn to it. And by function explode the amount of attention that is drawn to Hammerstone, even if it's one tenth of what gets to Torchlight it's still going to be way, way more than where we're at now from Torchlight. Thoughts? I think that makes sense. I'm open to discussing that more. My only concern, of course, is if we are going to have packages out there in the world, we have to make sure they are properly maintained. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little worried about the support burden Mm -hmm. of maintaining this open source package that now everyone in the world is going to use. But generally speaking, I think that I think the hypothesis is correct that if we can, you know, dev two is a rails shop and Mm -hmm. they use what we all use, which I forget which, which highlighter it is. 
and it mm-hmm. does i know because my simple file upload stuff is off it it does not work mm-hmm. and it's maddening mm-hmm. and so yeah if if we could open source something and get some kind of huge customer like them like that would be great for us right but, but again yeah. right but again there are only three of us and we all kind of have well-defined roles we right. just talked about how you're about to explode in a ball of fire Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> not, not, but twenty minutes ago. Oh, so, yeah. I think maybe I guess my short answer is that's probably a good idea, but maybe not a good idea right now. I see your point, and I raise you a counterpoint. My counterpoint is, if we were to make it totally free and open source, then um, I would feel a little bit more like the community could own it versus where we're at now. It's quasi like all the cli- all the libraries are are um, open source and free, but the API itself is a you know quasi because if it's free if you're an open source project and it's paid if you're a commercial project, right? So I feel like that limits the amount that we can ask of the community to maintain stuff because then they're maintaining stuff that supports our paid. Like I'm asking people, hey, why don't you write a client for Ruby? And then I'm just going to benefit from it when people sign up to pay and use the Ruby client. You know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean. And the way you access it right now is just an API, right? So anyone Correct. could write a client for anything. Correct. And so that, the I think, the let's say there are two burdens. One is the clients, which I have JavaScript, Laravel, uh, Markdown, Jigsaw, a couple of them that I've written all myself. The other one is the API engine itself that does the actual rendering and stuff. The burdens, I think from as it, as they relate to the clients goes way down because the community can like, if somebody wants to write a Ruby client for it, go ye with God. Like I don't have to do it. That's right. great. Go for it. And then the burden for the API engine itself is unknown to me because maybe a lot of people like, well, maybe some people will help maintain it, but maybe a bunch of people are going to throw these pull requests that suck at me and I'm going to have to like babysit this other repo. And so that's a, that's an open question to me. So, but really all you are, if we did this, all you are have all you have to maintain is the API. This is exactly what I maintain right now, but right. it would be open to other people helping. Yeah. Right. But by that, I mean, like, if someone writes a Ruby client, that's their mm-hmm. own open that's source. That's their deal. The, mm-hmm. That's their deal. They're the maintainer Bingo. of that. So it's not like you are a, a you know, fi- a point of failure for everyone's individual clients. It's just the Correct. API. Exactly. I, I mean, I'm open to this, to your point. At the price point of Torchlight, it's not our primary product. Mm-mm. I'm definitely open to this. I think we should talk more about it after Laracon. Once yeah, you've had some time to... to Power down. Noodle noodle on that. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting idea. I think my takeaway is make it free, go super wide. That's my takeaway. Make it free, get as many eyeballs as possible. Um, Okay. Other unformed thought related to Sidecar is um, Sidecar has been exceptionally good for me in terms of visibility. Um, Have you ever considered writing Sidecar for Ruby? Rather, writing Sidecar for Rails? I have not. That might be, uh, obviously not right now, but that might be worth considering. Um, it, did I send you the Lambda thing that Ken Collins wrote? Yeah. Years ago? Mm-hmm. 
conceptually yeah. similar, right? Um, in that it uses lambda, it is conceptually similar. <laughs> so Beyond no. that, it is entirely different. <laughs> um, so, lamb is more conceptually similar to Laravel Vapor, whereas Lambi provides some glue to let you run your Rails app on Lambda. Vapor provides a bunch of stuff to let you run your Laravel app on Vapor, right? Those two are almost the exact same thing. The thing that Sidecar is, is it allows you to add a microservice to your monolith, right? So if you want to deploy a JavaScript function, like if you want to deploy a JavaScript function from your Rails app and then execute it from your Rails app, um, that's what Sidecar does. So Sidecar packages, configures, distributes, and executes lambdas so that when I'm writing PHP, if for some reason I need a Python function or a node function or whatever, I can do that within my PHP app and I don't have to then spin up microservice architecture everywhere, right? So for Ruby, it would be, or for Rails, it would be the same thing. Like if you needed to run some sort of node library, but you didn't want to maintain the DevOps to do it, you would put it on a Lambda through Sidecar and then you would execute it through your Rails app, not like by setting up all this complicated DNS. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I can't think of a use case right now, but I am totally open to exploring this more with to, to see where people might need this kind of functionality. Why would you? Yeah, I guess I just don't really. <laughs> what does Sidecar do? <laughs> <laughs> I no, guess I just going. What's don't the really understand why I would need to run something that wasn't Rails in my Rails app. Okay, so you've come to the right guy. So, I know. <laughs> um, a couple of use cases that people are using Sidecar for now. One is server-side rendering, and I know all of Rails is moving away from anything complicated on the JavaScript stack, so that's maybe not as compelling for y'all, but... Um, so we'll leave that one aside. Let's say um, running headless Chrome to generate screenshots from or generate PDFs from something or generate screenshots or do, you know, maybe even web scraping or something. So to run headless Chrome, you need, well, you need headless Chrome. Then you need something like Puppeteer. Um, and then you need uh, a place to run it. So you need Node, right? And so you can, if you're, if you have Docker or if you have access to the server and you want to do all the DevOps stuff, you can install all of that and maintain all of that yourself, right? Or you could have a Lambda that comes pre-built with Node and headless Chrome, and then you just deploy that alongside your Rails app. And then anytime you need to access headless Chrome, you just execute your sidecar instead of having to maintain the DevOps side of all of that. Okay. What's another use case? Um, so server-side rendering, um, generating images. Philo is doing... Um, that doesn't really apply because... So Philo is generating Ruby gems manifests um, for unlock.sh. And to do that, he needs access to Ruby. And so he put Ruby in a sidecar. Um, so Ruby runs on Lambda, generates the 
um, gem manifest and then ships it back to him where he distributes it. So, so it can. Oh, okay. I have a use case. I think. Tell me. So I have a for simple file upload. I have a different server mm-hmm. that does file resizing. So instead Bingo. of running that server, I run that server. It's also deployed to Heroku right now. Bingo. Mm-hmm. I could run that server in a sidecar on AWS on Lambda. So you could write a function that you could write a, a JavaScript function that takes advantage of a bunch of node libraries for image resizing, for image optimization, image compression, all of that. Those libraries exist in the node world, right? Um, you could write a handler function that compresses, resizes, you know, makes it sepia or black and white, whatever you want to do. Um, and then instead of maintaining a separate server for that, requests would come into your Rails server. You would go out to the sidecar, execute the function, and then get the response back and send it back out. So you're not right. maintaining another server. Um, sidecar is keeping that Lambda configured and ready to go for you. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. To learn more about this, on February 9th, I'll be giving a talk at Laracon <laughs> Online. Um, but yeah, something to, just something to think about, because we do own this space, obviously, in, in Laravel, and we own this concept. Um, but I don't know... I don't know enough about Rails, but again, I just... I didn't think this was going to be as big of a deal as it is now and so yeah it's it's worth it's worth considering um yeah i think i mean i think it would be exciting and it's new and it would be i I definitely think it's it has a high potential upside yeah um and especially with the new tagline that i've stolen from a friend um it used to be all about you know lambda and now it's more focused on adding a microservice to your monolith. And I know Rails yeah. is all about being a monolith. Yep. Um, and so this doesn't break that, but it just, it gives you an escape hatch for when you do need, for whatever reason, you do need to run some node or some Python or some, you know, Java for whatever reason. So. Yeah, no, I have, I, I can think of a, a few use cases right now, now that I'm thinking about it. So yeah, that's cool. I am, uh, I'm definitely open to, open to that. Okay, two things to noodle on. We don't need to yeah. decide anything now. Um, okay, I think that... Oh, can I tell you a story real fast? Yes, I love stories. My freaking car got hit while it was parked in front of my house. What? Overnight, yeah. Oh so I woke up last week and got, I had a, mess, a message from my neighbor that was like, hey man, I think your car got hit. It's like, well, probably because this has happened before. I park on the street in front of my house, came outside, somebody had hit my car and then just driven off. And so That's awful. Yeah. It's infuriating. So they hit like my driver's side tire. They hit me head on, hit my driver's side tire, the whole driver's side um corner fender area totally demolished. And now the alignment is all wonky. So I have to like hold the steering wheel at like a 30 degree angle to drive straight. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is two times. My side mirror has been taken off. One time a kid rear ended me on the way to school. All, all, all well parked, totally all well parked in front of my house. (laughs) And this is the fourth time. And I think, I think I've realized now that I'm the idiot and I need to stop parking on the street. We live 
we live on a on a slow not slow we live on a small street that just happens to be the cut through for the neighborhood and so people just fly it's a 30 mile an hour street and they go like 50 down the street and just drives me freaking insane yeah i'm sorry yeah so stress on top of stress um yeah and i've decided that i'm gonna somehow set up a raspberry pi with a camera and i'm gonna start I'm not really going to do this, but maybe I am. I'm going to start, um, I'm going to set up my own speed trap. And when people speed, <laughs> take a picture of their license plate, send them an Love unofficial it. ticket and ask them to pay online with a disclaimer that this is not, you know, a not real an official ticket. ticket. Yeah. <laughs> See how much money I can make from, uh, oh. from sending fake tickets in the mail. So. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? I'm good. Okay. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>